Hey everyone, welcome back to the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. Before we get started today, just wanted to give you an update of where we are. We're about to hit 14,000 downloads. We have an average of about 780 listeners per episode. We have an audience size of 1,300. And that's something that cannot be accomplished without you, the listener, and I can't thank you all enough. The support has been absolutely fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, we have a fantastic guest today. It's time to welcome Mark Gregory to the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. He's going to give his experience, his, excuse me, his take on 32 years of fire service experience and his lessons learned as a company officer and soon to be chief. So congratulations on that. Mark, thanks for joining us. Please give the listeners, listeners a let introduction of, of who you are and What's going on in Mark's world? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Um, so my name is Mark Gregory. I'm a uh, captain with the FDNY. Uh, currently in uh, command school for the FDNY to uh, become a battalion chief. Uh, should be getting promoted on June 13th. So uh, looking forward to that. <clears throat> I started my career in 1991 in ladder 132 in the Crown Heights, Bedside section of Brooklyn. Um, I went to Rescue 2 in uh, 1995. I was there for almost eight years and then uh, got promoted to lieutenant, ended up going to uh, Towelada 111 in Nuthouse uh, in Bed-Stuy. I spent a good portion of my career there, 12 years as a boss in 111, which was uh, quite interesting. Um, promoted to captain, did a stint out in Queens for a couple of years, and then uh, was able to make my way back to Brooklyn to uh, Ladder 176, the Tin House truck, where I'm currently assigned as the uh, company commander. On uh, on my off tours, uh, my days my days home from uh, work, um, uh, I got suckered back into being a chief in my volunteer fire department. How I how I got, got into you. it, I don't know. Well, actually, I do know. I stood up at a meeting, complained about something, and somebody said to me, "Well, are you going to put up or shut up?" So here I am. But uh, I'm enjoying it. It's great uh, helping the community, training the young guys, and uh, you know, keeping uh, keeping the motivation going. Sounds like quite the lengthy experience. And, uh, you know, there's that old saying, the nail that sticks out gets hammered. True. So, uh, true. Very true. I guess, I guess they got you. So you've had time as a volunteer, uh, chief. I'm sure you hit, hit some ranks through there. Um, with your experience with the volleys, you have quite the experience, um, as a firefighter and a, and a company officer in the New York city fire department. You also do uh PL Vulcan, uh, training solutions or training Company, yeah, yeah PL, PL Vulcan Fire well, Training. PL Vulcan Fire Training. And I, if I remember correctly, you're best known for uh, your man versus machine class. I, I remember that's pretty popular. Man versus machine is pretty popular. We've been doing a, uh, a senior firefighter officer development class, which has been going pretty good. Uh, truck company, truck company ops, RIT. Uh, you know, the, the beauty of our company is the fact that we're not just all FDNY guys. We've got guys from all over the United States. And I think that's really important because you go to some small town and try to talk FDNYEs to somebody and they look at you like you've got six heads. You go, you go there with an instructor that maybe works in a department that has three or four guys on the, on the rig and, and then guys start to buy into concepts. So we found that's worked out pretty well for us and uh, has kept us quite busy the uh, last couple of years. You know, it's interesting you bring up um, buy-in. Now, I think buy-in is going to be ultimately the biggest thing that you're going to need as a leader, as a company officer, especially a new company officer, or anytime you're new to a group, you're going to need the buy-in. And I think when, you, um, when you're working on buy-in, there becomes a bit of a gray area where uh, people mistake respect and popularity. Now, you don't want to be... You need to earn respect through your actions. You need to um, remember that trust comes with time, so don't rush it. But I do think newer officers or inexperienced officers and sometimes some misled officers think popularity. If they're popular, they're going to do well. And I think that's incorrect. And you do an officer development class. Does any of this kind of stuff come up for you? And, uh, you know. We, we, Can you talk on that a little bit for us? We do discuss that. And you know what? We, we all kind of get sucked into that. Everybody, you know, you get promoted to a rank. You become a lieutenant, uh, lieutenant on the job or in a volunteer department. You, you want the guys to like you. You know, you want it. You, you go out of your way to do everything and anything that you can. So you get that like. But you have to understand with that like, there's got to be respect. And respect is only going to come 
once they realize that you're not afraid of being the boss and you're not afraid of making decisions. And you know what? It's just like your dad. Um, there's going to be decisions that sometimes you're going to make that maybe they're not going to like at the time, but they're going, you know, they're going to understand. I mean, I remember as a young fireman in rescue too, um, I was credit Bobby Gallione. He was a senior guy when I was in two and, uh, <clears throat> there were decisions sometimes, you know, Bobby, Bobby would have a, a ruling on something and, you know, maybe I, I didn't agree with it, but years down the line when I became an officer and, and moved up and I, I understood. And I remember saying to him, Hey, you know, that day when you did this, and he goes, yep. He says, you get it now. And I said, yeah, I do. And sometimes it takes experiences for us to realize the path that we're going to go and how we should lead others. Sure. And you know, the other thing too, is from the time you step into, uh, you know, being an officer, you're in that leadership role. Um, you have to be aware of one fact and sooner or later, you're going to have to take action or actions that are going to be very, or most likely are mostly unpopular with, uh, you know, the guys and girls that you lead. And, um, these times become the, uh, I don't want to say, I don't know, the proving grounds that sharpen every officer's career, you know, how you handle yourself during these tests. Uh, ultimately they're going to determine how, how far of a progress in your leadership and management style you're going to make, you know, just because it's unpopular doesn't mean it's wrong. You know what I right. mean? And there, there comes a time where, you know, you're going to have to stick to your guns and I, and, and in, in time, um, right, wrong, or indifferent, you got to stick to your guns because they're, they're going to see that. They're going to remember that. And I think a lot of that comes on the fire ground. Can you think or talk about any fires that you might have had where something was going on, you had to make a decision that was very unpopular, and despite, you know, your guys not wanting to do it or, you know, any pushback you might have had, you, you had to stick to your guns. Do you have any um, <clears throat> anything you could think of? I, I, I've got a couple of stories I, I could think of, but just to kind of, uh, you know, touch on what, what we've been talking about here. I think the harder decisions are made in the firehouse and not on the fire ground, to be honest with you. Sure. Um, I agree with that. Okay. Fire, you know, firemen are firemen. You know, once you put on once you put on the costume and we're on the rig, yeah, we make decisions maybe some others aren't gonna like, but eventually they get it, they can understand it, they they see the outcome. It's what's going on in today's fire service, getting guys to buy into, whether it's training, whether it's uh, EEO, whether it's administrative. You know, it, there's so many different things. There's so many different personalities. I mean, I can remember, you know, being a young guy in, the, you know, in the fire department where we sat around the kitchen and we talked all night. And you knew, you know, I knew about your family. You knew about my family. Today's fire service is different. You know, a, a lot of things are social media driven. And, you know, if God forbid a guy puts down his cell phone at dinner, it's, uh, you know, it's a monumental task. And, you know, it's it is a different time. Speaking on, on the sure. fire ground, I think probably one of the hardest decisions uh, an officer has to make and you got to get you guys to buy into is probably the fact of pulling pulling out of a building, backing backing out. You know, you're listening to radio reports, uh, you're watching conditions around you, you see the things that are going on. And in your experience from the, you know, the years that you've been out in the field, you've got that feeling. Something's just your, the, the hair on the back of your neck is standing up and you know something's not right. And the guys are telling you, hey, come on, boss, we got one more room, but we could do this. But you know you've got to make that call because it's the right call to make. Sure. sure. And, you know, I think that's also um, in time. And that's kind of what I talked about earlier about the uh, trust takes time, don't rush it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think in time, as you start going through those situations and you start building that um, that uh, piggy bank of leadership uh, buy-in, you know, from example, from me, uh, decisions that you made, and situations worked out, they worked out well. You know, you did good. You start paying into that bank of trust, and I think over time, and you start having those situations where you know, you have that ability to say, Hey, we're going to go. And in time, you know, your guys are going to be like, all right, well, the Lieutenant said, we're going to go, or the captain said, we're going to go. I, you know, I trust him. We've been in this before. He's, he's been correct time and time again with different things. They learn, they can trust you. And, you know, you, I'm glad that you, um, said that it was, it's harder in the firehouse than it is on the fire ground. And I'm really glad that you said it that way. And I want to take it one step further of the, it is harder in the firehouse. But what I've learned is um, the situations where they're really going to 
see how you're going to work it out and how you're going to handle things. When you do it right in the firehouse, it will transition over onto the fire ground because over time you're going to have a lot of situations in the firehouse. You're going to have a lot of situations on the fire ground. And what I've noticed is they go hand in hand with you proving yourself and that makes them more susceptible to, to follow you when you're leading. And when you turn around and say, we're doing X, Y, and Z, and they may not agree with it. They may not like it, but they're going to do it because they trust. Well, it's, what do you think about it's, that? it's the confidence level that, you know, you uh, portray it's, you know, you're at a, you're at a job and the guys see that you're cool and calm under pressure and that you're looking at the situation. They are more apt to follow you and, they, and they're going to buy into what you're doing. If you're that guy that your head is in six different places and uh, you've got four plans up your sleeve already, you know, that's when the guys start to go, huh? You know, I don't know. I don't know about this guy. Sure. Uh, Definitely. You, you know, I just, uh, you know, you talk about situations in the firehouse, you know, grooming, grooming firefighters, you know, the, the new guys uh, are the easy guys to groom because, you know, we've got them and, and they're like our children. We nurture them. We train them. It's those middle of the road guys. You know, they, they've been through the nurturing and now they're kind of like junior high school kids, if that makes any sense. And, I you know, I've had a couple of guys in my company that um, say send them to show for school. You know, I send them to show for school. I get them driving and. It's, I think the good thing about it is, and, and I've explained it to them after, after a while, after I've seen their performance, what they do is I tell them you're at a point in your career that basically, Hey, you were used to being the irons man or the roof guy or the can man or the OV and you had it. Now you become what we call the chauffeur in a truck company. You basically become the quarterback for the team. Now you might not be the Tom Brady. You might not be the senior man, but when Tom Brady's off. You're the guy that's got to kind of know the positioning of everybody else. You you have to know where all the other players are. You're the officer's right-hand man. And I, t- I tell my guys, I put you into that position now because time's going to happen. The senior men are going to retire. They're going to move on. They're going to get promoted, whatever. There's, it happens quick in our job. Change happens quick, and you're going to move into these positions, and you got to get these guys ready to you know to move and accept that responsibility. And so far, it's been working pretty good. Sure. And, you know, that's something that I've talked to a couple of the guys I work with before, uh, work with, we've talked about this before, excuse me, where, you know, we're a single engine company and the concept of the driver, the driver is you're the dude, you know, every piece of apparatus or every piece of equipment, you know, the apparatus we have, but you have every, you know, every piece of equipment, you know, how every tool is used, you know, the area, you know, the ins and outs, you know, the nooks and crannies, the, the trick addresses, the places that need certain lines for certain, you know, apartments and all that stuff. You like, you'll know an apartment complex, you lead off at the 400 immediately, or, you know, you know, a 300 or 250 or whatever can reach this, that, or the other. And there's special places to park, drive, you know, gates to force, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that. You're, you're, you're the dude, right? So you can put a blow-up doll in that right front seat and that driver's going to get everyone through. They're going to get you into the block. They're going to, you know, get the correct hand line, you know, all that, pump the water, you know. Um, and I think when you, like you said, you start, um, you're grooming them. You're, that's a basic level of leadership as well, right? So if you think about it, you have a covering officer or overtime or a swap or whatever, they come in and they're riding. They don't don't work in the company. They work at a completely different firehouse and they come in and you're like, Hey, you know, Lieutenant captain, whatever for this address, we do X, Y, and Z. Well, that's informal leadership. They're going to follow you. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. Bill. Yeah. You know, you're the driver. Here you go. Well, as you do that over time, as you're driving longer and longer and, and, you know, the firefighters, um, will take that initiative as well to show, you know, help out the guys and girls that don't necessarily work with us or whatever they're coming in for overtime or swaps. They'll take that, they'll step up, take that leadership and lead by, you know, by example and share the knowledge and kind of, um, you know, not walk them through, but like help them along, be that missing link for the people that may not know the exact, um, stuff. Right. You know what I mean? But that's your first step, you know? And one thing that I like, two things real quick. One thing I like to do is I always like to give guys on my shift um, responsibility, right? So we don't have rookies anymore, but when we used to get rookies, I would say, hey, you're going to work with this rookie and you're going to get him through his probationary manual. And that wasn't because I didn't feel like it. That was because 
I want you to step up. I want you to take initiative and I want you to lead this person. You're going to help him through his book. He doesn't know anything, right? And or if he has experience beforehand, you're going to vet his experience. You're going to show him the way we do things in the fire, in our department and then in our firehouse at our station. So I like to do that. But the other thing um, I wanted to touch on a little bit as well is, you know, the firehouse, right? So the firehouse I work at, and I've talked about this in a lot of episodes beforehand, um, we don't have a, a lounge or a day room. It's some rolly chairs in the kitchen and then a training room in the back that has literally plastic Rubbermaid tables or, uh, yeah, Rubbermaid brand tables that you can put rolly chairs around. So a lot of people, I think when they come to work overtime or people that have worked there in the past, maybe, um, they've said, oh, you know, this place isn't that comfortable. You, you can only sit in the kitchen or you sit in the engine bay. Well, me and my, the guys on my shift and myself, we love that because that's fostered an environment for us to be together and stay together. Uh-huh. And we talk about firemen stuff. We talk about calls we're listening to that are going on, calls we had the shift before, situations we had before, just like you talked about staying, staying awake till two o'clock in the morning talking to the guys. We're doing that. You, you know what I mean? And it's, and it's something that, you know, everyone gets their balls broke. Everyone takes the lead on different conversations. And I mean, yeah, there's always a laughing and jocularity and all that, or, you know, and, um, but when it comes down to like the fireman stuff, we're talking about these things. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is, you know, as we're talking about it, somebody will be like, Hey, I got experience with that. Listen to this. Boom, 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 boom. And they'll talk about exactly what's going on on that call that we're listening to, or the, the topic we're talking about for the drill they'll add their experience. So, you know, they're taking the lead. They're taking the initiative. They have the confidence to talk about it. Well, somebody- That's small informal leadership, um, you know, situations they can, they can build that confidence to step in and step up. Some of the best lessons learned in the fire service are learned around the kitchen table. I mean, you could talk about jobs, you could talk about experiences, different things that happened to you, different scenarios maybe you ran into that, you know, those other guys around the table, now they run into that situation, they can say, hey, you know, I remember talking about something very similar to this, whether it's a person under a train or a force on a door in a high rise building. Hey, I remember so-and-so talking about this. Now you have an idea of how to get the job done. Whereas maybe before, before you sat there and listened to the other brothers and sisters speak, you didn't have that idea. Yeah. And you know, the nice part about it is you can take a five minute uh, topic, like a quick chat that can turn into three hours and, you know, or maybe not necessarily three hours, but it can turn into a couple hours or a, a full length drill or whatever it is, you know. I think I've learned the most by being quiet and listening to the guys that I work with. And I'm not saying that because, you know, I don't have experience or anything like that. No, but what I've learned was as an officer, the more I listened, the more I learned and the more things I picked up on because the guys that I work with are are sharp. They really are. And I, and I'm very lucky when it comes to their experience and their time on um, for, for us, because we do have such a young department. And one of the, biggest things that I picked up on was how important being engaged is. You don't have to go out and take your firefighters and run hand lines all day long, run ladders all day long. There is a time and a place for those things. Yes. But you know, when you have highly motivated guys or got, you know, guys that are, you know, motivated, um, you're sharpening the edge at that point. Does that make yeah, sense? Well, knowing, knowing your crew, talking to your people, understanding them, watching their performance on the fire ground. I mean, it's, it's just like being a father. You know, you know what your kid can do. You know what your kid maybe can't do. Hey, you know what? My son's never taken a hammer and a nail and banged it into a piece of wood. Well, today that's what we're going to go over. And you, and you learned, you learned the people that are underneath you. And, you know, we learned from there, you know, what they've done at different jobs and how we can make them better, which is, I, I think is all important stuff. Um, you know, it's our world today is so uh, social media driven. And like I said, videos and stuff are good that are out there. Throw a video on. Throw a video on in the kitchen. Watch a fire. But instead of, you know, bad mouthing and, uh, you know, negative critiquing, what would I always like to say, what would we have done different? You know, you don't know. Some fire department maybe only has three guys on a rig and maybe they, they did some wacky type of stretch. All right. So if we were in that same situation, what would we have done different? And that's how you learn. And you mentioned before about, uh, you know, short drills. Short drills to me are like base hits. You can you can win the game every time. And it and what I mean by that is 
we go to the supermarket. You pull up, you look at the roll down gates and you, you say to the new guy, hey, at 3 a.m., how would you cut that gate? Give me give me option A, B and C. Let me know what what you're thinking here. You move into the store. You look up at the ceiling, say, hey, did you ever see parallel cord trust before? Look up, get a good get a good visual on it. Understand this stuff. You go past the deli counter. They've got uh, uh, maybe they use a meat grinder to pack sausage or do something. Hey, what would we do if we ever had a person's hand stuck in here? We're, a, we're basically a BLS company. But until the heavy rescue company gets here, what could we do to make this situation better? And, and I think by just doing little drills like that, we keep our guys sharp and we keep them in the game. Yeah. And, you know, and again, sharpening that edge. And I think the other thing that the other payoff that that has is, you know, when you take those few minutes or whatever, somebody else may do that on another call or wherever you are without you initiating it as the officer. Right. right. They'll start to take ownership of it because they see you doing that and they'll say, oh, hey, what do you think of this, that or the other? And, you know, where I see it a lot is we'll run calls with other companies and they're not bad mouthing. They're not trash talking anyone. And I'm not saying they are in any way. Just want to make sure I make that very clear. Um, but they'll say, Hey, did you see what company X, Y, you know, company so-and-so did, they did X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And we'll kind of look at it and be like, mm, I get it. Or, you know, Hey, that was a good idea. Or, you know, I don't think I would have done it that way. Or, you know, you may have the situation where a company does something and you kind of sit there and think about it. And you're like, yep, if they would have done this, that, or the other, they probably would have gotten their line in place quicker or, you know, when people make mistakes, oh, yep, well, this is the mistake they made. This is why. This is what happened. This is what they should have done. Not to armchair quarterback it, but, you know, for us to learn, it's a quick, you know, even if it's not a fire, it's just there. people are stretching on a report of smoke or whatever. Everything can be turned into a drill to where – or not a drill, but everything can be turned into productive conversations or um, I, I guess the word I'm looking for is being engaged. You know, you don't – you know, engagement goes a long way because I know in my personal experience, there's been plenty of times where we've talked about something, an address, a, you know, a skill or, or a um, ideology. And then so, sure enough, whatever we talked about is happening. And in my mind, as everything's going on and my brain goes through its Rolodex, I'm like, I remember that conversation we did. We talked about this. I'm going to try it. It's happening. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think. I think fire engineering says something to the effect of read it today. It could save your life tomorrow. I think it was, I don't remember who it was, but I remember reading that too. But um, yeah, man, I think in my experience, I think it's going to translate the best into the, over to the fire ground. And, and I think when you create that or you foster that culture, your guys are going to want to do that as well. And then you're going to be in that really good position of, you know, they're taking the help, they're taking the reins on it and they want to be better. They want to train. And they want to, um, you know, get to that next level. Well, like I said, it's, so, it's <clears throat> just like having a kid. You know, if you invest the time and the effort, things generally work out, generally work out okay. Same thing with a fireman. You put the time and the effort into that guy. And like you said, maybe something was done in a fire. Well, instead of saying, hey, why'd you guys screw that up? Hey, why did you do it that way? Maybe, maybe, yeah. you know, something that they didn't know. Maybe they did it for a reason because something went wrong, wrong, you know, along the way. And you've picked something up now that you could throw in your mental toolbox. Sure. Yeah. So I think asking why is really good, you know, especially when somebody does something you may not necessarily agree with, or you're on a call, you know, it's something on the fire ground where something doesn't look right, or you think they did something different than you would asking somebody why is very important because there's a lot of stuff they could have seen that you would have never saw or you had no idea or what I've learned in my experience is, Hey, why'd you do this? And they'll say, well, I've experienced this before. This is what happened last time. This was the plan of action. And here's why and it's like, Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And you learned something from them and inevitably it's going to, history is going to repeat itself. And now that situation is going to come up and you can teach that to someone else or pass that along to somebody on your shift or go back and pass it pass it along to your guys as well. Well, it's funny you should say history is going to repeat itself. It's because history does repeat itself and we still in the fire service today fail to pay attention to history. I mean, if you look over the last couple of weeks, months in the fire service, how many firefighters have been killed on highways? Right? 
I mean, I feel like it's every day you see hundred percent something. Why aren't Why aren't we? You know, guys have to start realizing. You know, um, wind driven <clears throat> wind driven fires. They're out there. They they weren't invented by the FDNY. They've been around since the dawn of time. And you know, still getting to that side Charlie or exposure three, and you know, getting the full visual of a building is important. You know, we've had a couple of fires in New York lately where you know, <clears throat> getting somebody to the rear played a part because the way the wind was blowing, the company's coming in the normal way, the way that we always do it, we're met with some pretty, you know, horrible conditions and, and guys got hurt. So, you know, it's getting people to understand this stuff that, you know, history does repeat itself. And we've got to learn from this. We got to, you know, make sure that we're covering all the bases so that it doesn't happen on our shift. Sure. And, you know, the other thing too, is that a good example of that as well. And it wasn't, I, I don't think it was a very popular decision that was made. And I, I know it got a lot of pushback in my department was um, doing the 360. And especially on, ba- you know, when we were having issues with basement fires, you know, beforehand you would go in for the basement and you would find the basement steps. You'd either hold the step or make the steps, like go down them and put the fire out or hold the steps. And then third dude would get to the rear. And if you couldn't make it, you would hold the steps. Third dude would come in to put the fire out, right? Uh, very unpopular with the older guys to uh, get away from that and enter through um, your basement access, which could be side, you know, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, wherever it is. And all that was anchored to doing the 360. Now, as a newer officer, when this came out, I think I maybe had a handful of years in. I didn't like it because now I'm further back from my crew. They're making entry. They have to listen for me on the radio to say, you know, the 360 is complete, no basement access or basement access. Right. Is it a basement fire or is it not a basement fire? That's all change or what is that? Uh, what's that term? hundred years of uh, tradition unchanged by progress, mm-hmm. right? People didn't want to do it. I didn't like it because now I'm delayed. And when I first got promoted, there was only two guys on a fire truck if the ambulance went out the door, right? So now I have to get there. I have to lay out. A line has to get pulled. I have to do a 360. I have to check for a basement. I have to announce if there's a basement. I have to take command. Then I have to pull the line, put the fire out. It's a lot of stuff. And, you know, I didn't like it at all. And through time and through some, you know, close calls or hairy, hairy moments, um, I started to appreciate and benefit from it. And we had a lot of situations where, you couldn't tell it was a basement fire. And then through the 360, you could tell it was a basement fire or you could tell exactly where the fire was rather than trying to go find it. You can walk around and say, oh, look, there it is. I can see it right through the window or there's fire blown out of this window right here. It's right here. We don't have, we don't have to go looking for it. We know where it is, what floor, you know, what quadrant or whatever. Right. And, you know, it gives you that whole picture to where you can make a better decision. And there was a lot of pushback on it and I, I didn't like it one bit. And through time and, and, you know, some training and and diligence, it ended up becoming quite the, um, quite the asset, um, and and quite the important thing to do. Well, I mean, the difference with the FDNY, I mean, compared to, uh, you know, I guess uh, many other departments is as the truck company officer, or even as the engine officer, I'm moving, I'm going in with my company into the building and the uh, size up. The uh, what's above me, what's around me on all the other sides is basically being done by the roof firefighter and the outside vent firefighter. So training, training these firefighters how to understand certain conditions, pick up on wind impacted fires is important as far as what you're training is, you, you know, you want to get these guys, uh, how deep, how deep of a flat you're going into. Are there any renovations done to the building? You know, I'm assuming your building's 20 by 40. Maybe they put a 20 foot extension on the rear. That's good information that I, that I want to know. So, uh, again, it's just different differences in departments where you guys are sending, you know, your officer around the building. I'm relying on my team, uh, to get that information to me. And the chief officer is also relying on that. Sure. And, you know, depending on how big the building is, they, they also kind of, I wouldn't call it a fail safe, but they're kind of, um, I guess, you know, ensuring it's completed. So like third do when they go to the rear, if it hasn't been done, your, it's your responsibility to do the size up of the rear to include floors. If there's a basement or no basement and if it's involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing, and the reason why, I, and 
as while we, we were talking, I was thinking about it. I kind of like it as well because, you know, you have those positions you talked about where they're going to be doing that size up, relaying it on the radio. Like, I think that's something where some departments fall short, where they're not teaching and encouraging people to talk on the radio with pertinent information. Because once you start doing that, again, that adds into leadership, in my opinion, because you're giving them a small task. You may not, you may not be doing, you know, leading a company, but when you know, like for us, we do roof reports, right? And the roof report's not going to be by the office. The roof report's going to be by the driver of the ladder truck mm -hmm. or who it should be the driver of the ladder truck or the outside vent firefighter for the ladder truck. Now they get up, they have, they know they have something to do or they have a job to accomplish. They have to talk on the radio. They have to do it and take the initiative to do it. You know what I mean? So those are small little tidbits of responsibility over time. As you do that, you get your experience and you're doing that time and time again. When it's time to become an officer, you're going to have that confidence, that competence. Uh, radio, and, and radio, reports, radio, radio reports are so critical because you want to make sure you get the information out that it's going to benefit command. It's going to benefit all the other troops involved. So sure. starting from getting on scene, you know, FDNY, we've got the radio code 1075. I can get on scene and say, hey, we got a 1075. Oh, that's great. What did I just give the companies that are coming in? What information did I did I give them to benefit them? So let's take a private dwelling fire. Um, any FDNY for a truck company, my tactics, the second do company's tactics could change depending on the type of private dwelling. If it's a peaked roof private dwelling, if it's a flat roof private dwelling, we're going to operate different. Well, if I just give that 1075 and I don't give that additional information, the type of building, where the fire is located, it's basically a guessing game until you get on scene. So sure, sure. it's it's pretty important stuff. Another thing I think that's important for officers to remember is short, sweet communication. Um, you know, you, yeah. you force you force the door. Hey, if it's if it's a high rise, right, or you've got a multiple dwelling, letting the chief know that you got door control. That's telling me that the hallway is is safe, that the fire hasn't impeded the hallway. So you've got conditions kind of under control till you get that line in place. Getting the hallway down, uh, getting down the line, uh, getting the line down the hallway. You're getting it down here. Letting the chief know, water on the fire, search is underway. It doesn't have to be a book report. Paint a picture for the guy of things that he can't see from outside, so he has an idea of which way this fire is going. Sure, you got to keep it short and sweet. Sweet, excuse me. And it's all about communication. And I'm really glad we went down this road. Um, I do want to transition to a different topic, but before we, before we move on to something else, mm -hmm. as you're doing all those things, you're giving those concise reports, you're making those decisions and everyone, all your firefighters are seeing that, right? They're seeing all those things that we talked about being concise, being clear, decisive. Um, and they know you're looking for those different things. Like you talked about the flat with the, um, uh, addition in the rear, those things, they see all mm -hmm. those. So they know. Hey, Mark's cool under pressure. He knows, you know, they start building that trust. Like I said, that trust takes time. Right. You don't want, you don't want to rush it. So have you ever, and have you ever had any uh, obstacles that you could think of that uh, really tested your leadership and um, made you a better officer because of it? As, as far as things on the fire ground or? fire ground in the firehouse, anything you could think of, what's the first thing that would come to mind as a situation that, uh, that really tested you? Let's say, uh, let's start within the firehouse and we'll, we'll figure out something from a fire ground a little bit later. In the, in the firehouse, I think, uh, you know, that's kind of where you get tested, be, uh, you know, get tested a lot because of, um, administrative decisions, making, making calls that people aren't going to like, you know, um, we're used to a certain firehouse culture. Um, Pranking, sure. pranking, buckets of water, little things that, you know what, 20 years ago, that was fun. And to the average civilian, people look at the old, the bucket drill, right? They look at that as, oh, you're, you're hazing somebody. Are you doing this? Yeah, you know what, it's, it, you're joking around, you're having fun. But the other thing was, when you got bucketed once or twice, every time you walked into that station, what did you always do? You, looking, you looked up. You, up, you looked up, you looked up, you looked around, you looked up pole holes. You know, it's kind of like the Pink Panther in, you know, in, in the old movies there, right? The Inspector Clouseau would go into the room and he'd be looking all over the place sure. for Cato to pop out somewhere. It was, it was also done as a learning tool, right, to get you to realize where you are. Um, I remember one of my, uh, my old lieutenants, uh, 
Ed Garrity in uh, Ladder 132. He passed away 9-11 as a battalion chief. And uh, I can remember coming out of a building and being full of piss and vinegar and uh, thinking I did a great job and him putting his arm around me and saying, tell me everything about that building that you, that you know. Don't look back, but tell me everything you know. And that drill alone humbled me because it made you realize that, you know, a lot of times we just go running into battle, but what aren't we doing? We're not, we're not paying attention to where you're going into battle, where, you know, where foxholes are, who's hiding behind a tree. We're going into this building and we should know where there's window gates and we should know if there's fire escapes and we should know any oddballs and, and things that are going on. And we, we, we've got to slow our people down and get them to understand this stuff. Sure. And, you know, a lot of that, the, the battleground isn't, as you said before, you know, it's not just on the fire ground. You can have those situations in the firehouse interacting with people. And I think a simplistic approach to that is, you know, you got to put your foot down when you need to as the officer, right? You have to, you have to say no. You're, you have to, I mean, you have to be able to put your foot down and control the situation. Well, I'll, I'll give you, and, I'll give you a good, for instance, I, I had a time once that um, we had, we had a situation and I spoke to the group about it and I said, Hey, you know, this is the situation. This shouldn't happen. Let's not do this again. And I had an individual come to me later on and say, I don't agree with what you did. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, it was maybe one or two people involved. He said, but you talk to everybody. Because I, I, I think it's important, you, as leaders, you've got to get the message out to everybody. You can't start off, start off right off the bat just singling out people. Hey, guys, listen, just clarification. This is what we do. This is how we operate right here. Now, when that's been broken, now you go to the individual. Hey, you know, hey, Mike, is there something you didn't understand about what we talked about? You know, this is, you know, you, you, made, you made this mistake. You did this wrong. And sometimes people don't understand leadership skills of how you have to talk to people. You've got to get the message out to everyone. Make sure they all understand it. And if there's one or two who don't, well, then we got to put a little bit of special attention their way to make sure that they do follow along like the rest of the team. Sure. And if you don't really, I don't want to say if you don't hammer people, I don't want to say it like that, but if you don't nip something in the butt, they're going to see it, Right. So that situation that you were, ta or that you were talking uh -huh. about where people need special attention, you have to, when that situation happens, you have to handle it immediately, especially if you recognize something's wrong. Because if you don't handle it, it's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate, right? Uh -huh. So by you not saying anything and you not addressing that person saying, hey, you know, Mark, look, man, you're not going to talk to me like that. Or, you know, look, this is not negotiable. This is my answer. That's it. If you go back and like, well, let me think about it. Well, everybody else just saw you do that, right? The guys and the girls in the firehouse are going to see, and I, say, and I feel like I say this all the time, they see absolutely everything you do, everything you don't do. They don't forget anything. Uh -huh. ever. And you need to remember that. And that's not a bad thing on their part. You know what I mean? It keeps you honest. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? It's not a bad thing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to keep you on the straight and narrow. And one thing I learned, it took me a long time for this, unfortunately is you need to have that in the back of your mind that when I walk out here or this, this person challenges me, it needs to be met back with a professional response. I need to act like a leader, talk like a leader, carry myself as one, right? And I need to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with it, square off with it, and handle it immediately, no matter how uncomfortable it is. You got to have those uncomfortable situations or conversations, excuse me, in uncomfortable situations. Well, when you talk, when you talk to the um, group, when you, when so, you speak to the group, the message you're getting across is the same message. Whereas if I talk sure. to you, then I talk to Joe, then I talk to Pete, they say, well, so-and-so said, you said this and this one said, no, everybody was in the room. I told you this. And that's, that, that's sure. important. Sure. Yeah. And because if you don't address it, and this is the other thing too, actually, that I learned now that I think about it, if you don't address it, people are probably going to make up their own reason. And just like the telephone game, who knows where that goes, where that rumor starts, where it goes, uh -huh. good luck, because that's going to spread like an absolute wildfire. Now, rumors are going to happen. People are going to talk and you're going to have to ignore it. But I mean, you need to give yourself the best opportunity to be successful with that situation by immediately addressing those situations as they come up. Right.
What do you think was your biggest challenge when you first became an officer? Like, what do you think was the most difficult thing for you? Oh, for, for me, I, sure. I went, uh, I was uh, what they call UFO until further orders in 111 truck. And uh, 111 was an ultra senior company. I had 12 years on as, uh, you know, as a firefighter slash officer. And my junior, my junior guy had 20 years. <laughs> I worked, oh, I worked, I was so fortunate to work with all these guys. But again, it's the fact of, you know, you're proving, you're proving these guys had, you know, eight to 10 years more and, and you know, an extremely busy truck company. And, you know, it was that proving ground. Even, you know, when I went to a rescue two as a fireman, uh, you know, I can remember guys telling you around the table, you know, until you prove yourself on the fire floor, you know, you're not a rescue firefighter. And it was, you know, it, and it, it took time too. I mean, you know, uh, Pete Martin, another guy who passed away, you know, during the, uh, the trade center, his whole theory when I got to rescue two was, Hey, Keep this in mind. You don't consider yourself a true rescue fireman until you have five years in the company. That's when you've got a good feeling of every emergency, every type of fire, every situation we're going to run into. And I remember at first thinking, ah, I don't know, he's a little off on that. And then I remember going to an emergency one day and going, you know what? It was about that four and a half, five year mark. And I said, wow, Pete was right, man. He, he, he hit it right on the head, man. It was, and it was the truth. You know, it's pretty interesting that you talk about that with the, uh, you're not part of the company until, you know, that four or five year mark. I've been in the same, we, we staff firehouses. We don't do companies. Right? Well, it's, so we it's not that you're not part of the company. It's, it's a, don't, you know, don't walk around touting, you know, you know, banging on your chest. I'm a rescue fireman or, you know, it, it was, you've got to learn, you know, it's, it takes time to learn those positions. So just wearing a front piece doesn't make you, you know, the truck company firefighter or, or, you know, the rescue company firefighter. You know, you're a member of that company, but to be fully positional, understanding all the different, you know, spots of the company, it takes time to pick up all that stuff. You won't be experienced with, uh, let me correct what I said. You won't be experienced enough or you won't have the experience to be, um, the well, well-rounded experience, well-rounded experience. Yeah. To where you're able to operate independently. Mm -hmm. We'll say that. Right. So <clears throat> It's very interesting you talk like that or talked about that. So um, the firehouse I'm, I currently work at, like I said, we don't do companies, right? So we cross staff units. We, we staff firehouses mm -hmm. and that, that firehouse can have an engine, a rescue squad and a ladder truck in it, or it could be a single engine house. Like mine's a single engine house. I've been there for six years. And um, one thing that I learned is I've been a lieutenant for almost, it'll be eight next month. I didn't start feeling comfortable being a lieutenant until within the last year and a half, two years, mm -hmm. to where I could go into any firehouse in the county with any crew, because I know the players, right? I've been in the department 16 years. I know, I would say, probably 80% of the people out there, and I've probably worked with them at some point in some capacity. Right. And I could walk into any firehouse. I don't care who you are. I don't care what the day's going. I don't care how busy it is, whether it's a paramedic engine or an engine, or it doesn't matter. I can walk in and I know I can walk in with confidence and take control. And that took a long time. And I think that's what you're saying is you can walk in at, you know, that five-year mark with that confidence to take control and operate with confidence, not kind of looking for help or kind of unsure what to do or indecisive. And I think as an officer, that's very important because you need to put off that you're competent. You need to put off that you're confident to the people that you're leading because ultimately you're going to have to say no, right? Mm -hmm. Saying no is the most difficult part. We talked about that a little bit before. And I think the best way to go through that, go about that, excuse me, would be simpli through simplicity. Keep things simple. Keep it in your basic skill set. Listen, we, we teach the man versus machine course and, you know, People start you, when you get talking about machinery extrication. Everybody's like, "Oh my!" You know, it, it 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 it's complicated. If a machine can be assembled, it can be disassembled. And if you sure. keep if you keep that attitude, simplicity is key. You know, hey, it's not that hard to take something apart. A lot of times in a fire service, we want to break out big tools and we want to start wrecking things. And hey. Is there another way to get into this building? It's an automatic alarm at 3 a.m. Do I really need to break this guy's door down? We've got thousands of tricks and different things that we can do to get into buildings. It's being able to have all these tools up in our brain, up in our bank, 
that we can say, hey, for this situation, we do this. For this situation, let's think about doing that. And that comes from the experience, which is why that guy probably said that five-year mark, Mm -hmm. right? You know, and I think, I guess kind of what I wanted to tie this into was it's the same way when you deal with your people. Keep things simple. Don't overcomplicate things. Handle things at the lowest level. You know what I mean? Don't always run to paperwork. Don't always run to charges. Now, there's non-negotiable, zero-tolerance things that once you cross that line, I have no choice. I have a job to do. And yeah. I have to do it. Like, it's just, it's just the way it is. Like, Listen, we, you, you know we, I mean? all, we all know in today's fire service, you know, and you get guys all the time say, oh, you know, but it was only a joke or this and that. We all know the rules, you know, and it's unfortunate. Sure. The rules have been set. There's not much we can do about it. If you don't play by the rules, then unfortunately, you're putting your boss in a bad spot because, you know, this, you're jeopard- if this guy doesn't do something, you're jeopardizing his career, right? This yeah. is the same guy you call brother when you're having a beer and you put your arm around the guy. Well, don't do stupid things. If you don't do stupid things, then you're not going to put that guy in jeopardy. But if you do cross that line, be prepared for that guy to have to do his job. It's unfortunate, but he's, he's got to do it. Sure. And then if you do, if he doesn't do it and he doesn't act and he doesn't, you know, hold that hold that line, now that's going to tell everyone else that they can do it too. Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem. You don't want that. You know what I mean? It, it's you you can't let it happen. Right. So, you know, I think with that, I think that's where you're going to have a lot of pro- not problems. That's where you're going to reach a lot of flack as an officer is the one thing we haven't talked about is people have their own opinions. Mhm. They're going to tell you their opinions. They're going to tell you they don't agree with it. You know, um, you walked into, uh, you said, I forget where you said you were a uh, company o- com- covering officer until further orders. Where was that? What, where well, well had- when I first got any, any company that you get to where you're assigned until you're permanently assigned, they call you UFO, which is until further UFO. orders. So I, what I was speaking before, I was talking about ladder 111. 111. So when you got there and you had the junior guy with 18 years, right? Is that you said 18 in, years, right? In my groups, I had a, I had a guy uh, 18 years, 18. 20 years. They, they all had more time than me. What did that feel like when you walked out knowing you're going to have to tell them something that they're probably not going to want to hear or you have to go do whatever that they're probably not going to want to do? What, is, what was that? What, what did that feel like? Because I've been in those shoes it sucks. <laughs> I don't think it was a. I don't think it was a matter of them not wanting to do it. I think it was just a matter of you know it's that respect factor. You look at these you know guys or gals with time, you know time on the job, and you're the you know you're junior to them on the job, and now you're telling these people what to do. Well, how are you getting the message across to them? That's the key thing. Are you going to be that guy that says, um, "Hey, uh, you know uh, today uh, this has to get done," or are you going to say, "Hey"? When you guys get a chance, let's go out. We got to grab a building today. You want guys want to drill on something? You know, are you being becoming part of the team, or are you just the guy barking out the orders for the day? It's you know, there's there's a difference. You know, <clears throat> I I go to roll call at my company, and I and I say to the guys, you know, today is Wednesday. We've got building inspection. What do you guys want to do afterwards? You want to cut a car? You want to do something? Yeah, Cap. Hey, do you mind if we can go stop by here? Whatever you want to do. And it when the group is included, everybody wants to be a part. Yeah. And they, but you know, that's the other thing too is, I mean, there's a little bit of a fine line, but they don't want you to walk in unsure and scared, right? They don't want you to look like you're unsure if you're supposed to be doing something or what you're, t- excuse me, what you're telling them to do. You know, you, uh, I think we should do floors now. No. Hey, Saturday, let's get the floors. Wait. Or you got to go somewhere at nine o'clock. Hey, we have to do a battalion meeting at nine. Uh, we're leaving in 10. And then you just, and you just say it. And they're okay. You know what I mean? They're going to listen to you. We're uh, they're going to follow you. We're not in the winged business. You know, we don't go to work. And, ah, we'll see what happens with this. Ah, maybe we'll do that. We we all know we have some form of structure. We, you know, whether you're in Prince George's County or the FDNY, you know, hey, in the morning we've got roll call. We do this. You know that we check tools. You know, you know, we all have our ways of doing things. You know, we're we're methodical people. And you have to communicate it, right? They don't want you to be wishy-washy or do something one way and then the next day you do it the other way. Or the biggest one, don't ever back down when you, re- when you, um, when you get resistance because you're going to get resistance. And, <clears throat> you know, I think some officers 
take uh, suggestions as resistance or take suggestions as challenges. Uh You know, I think there's something to be said about, you know, hey guys, we're going to do A, B, and C today, or we're going to do A, B, and C, this one needs to get done, whatever, whatever. And they're like, hmm, I think we should do X, Y, and Z. It's probably going to be a little bit better. Take a second and vet that that suggestion, because if you don't listen to them, you just bark out the orders and you say, no, you're doing this. It's not going to work out. You you know what I mean? Uh Do you understand what I'm saying? So, hundred percent. Hey, listen, we got to pop a drill off today. Um, we got some committee work. It's got to get. Listen, I don't care how you do it. We just we got to get it done. You tell me. Unless I have a specific topic I want to drill on for the day, like let's say a couple of things have gone wrong at a wind driven. Hey guys, I'd like to cover wind driven today. Then the guys know. Okay, hey, that's what we're gonna do. But I like to leave it up to them. What are you interested in doing today? Well, Cap, you know what we haven't done uh, auto extrication. All right, let's go cut a car. You know, let's go, uh, let's go fly the aerial. We've got a couple of new guys working today. Let's fly the aerial. Let's let, let's get them, you know, set up on that. And that invites them. Uh, it, well, I shouldn't say invites that entices them to want to learn and to want to be a part of what's going on. Yeah. I mean, if they're, if they're, you know, judging their fate, so to speak, mm-hmm. if they're the ones in charge of the day and they're driving that bus, they're going to go anywhere. You know, they're, they're going to go wherever they want to go. And, they're going to appreciate you allowing them to, I guess, figure out where, where the day goes and how it's going to ebb and flow. Um, by that, I mean, <clears throat> like you said, I'm going to tell you what to do. I don't care how you do it. Mm-hmm. This needs to get done today. You, you, pick your, you choose your poison. I don't care. As long as we get it done the right way the first time, that's it. Right. And what I really like about that is when you foster those environments where you empower people, then they're going to want to do it themselves, not because you tell them to do it, because they're taking that initiative. You have the go-getters and you, you have those guys and girls that want to be there and, and they want to be um, proficient. They want to be aggressive in getting things done and, and they take the initiative. Initiative is everything. Well, and, and I think oh, – no, But you're also – you're getting them to drink the leadership Kool-Aid. And what I mean by that sure. is they're realizing as you move further in your career, we all look back at – good bosses, bad bosses we had. And what did, generally, what do most people want to be? You want to, you want to be a good boss. You want to be someone, but you realize, hey, you know what? I've seen this and I've seen that. This worked for so-and-so. This didn't work for so-and-so, you know? And we pick up, we picked up those traits. I mean, you know, your kid, uh, your kid watches Tom Brady throw a football and watches Joe Schmo throw a football. And hey, that seemed to work for him. And he had positive results. That's what we want. We want to have positivity. So our leadership styles and the different things that we do are going to benefit our young when they move up and they become bosses. Sure. And, you know, you can learn a lot from a bad officer. You can learn a lot from a good officer. And I think if anyone out there is listening that's, you know, in the transition going from being a firefighter to an officer or maybe an officer to a chief, um, you know, you're always going to tap in on all those experiences, good or bad. You, you know, they all have their place. They all have their pieces of the puzzle. And the puzzle is incomplete without every piece, even though every piece can't be a corner piece. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So not everything's glorious, but you can learn a lot from people that, you know, you've worked with. And that's why, in my personal opinion, you want to be a good officer and you want to teach them things. And, you know, you're going to take, it's like a Rolodex. You're going to take all these examples of situations from officers, from leaders of things that you like and you don't like. And you're going to ultimately, I guess, put them all together and do your best to start and be a good officer. Well, I mean, um, the, the other thing too, that I, I think it's important, whether you're an officer, whether you're a father is self-critique, you know, sure. you're in that, you're in that car ride home. You had a job, you had a job on the night tour. Maybe you had to discipline somebody, uh, you know, regarding something going on in the company. I like to take that time in the car and say, hey, how, how did I do with that job? And now you think about what you did and how things went down. Hey, the guy came in the office and told me he needed a, uh, a vacation swap. It's his fifth one that he's asked for since you've been in the company. You know, we use the term square rooter. You know, the guy's a square rooter. How did you handle that situation? And then, you know, if we critique ourselves, that's also is going to make us better officers. And it's going to ref- it's going to turn around and reflect on the company. Things that things that I could have done different. You know what? Maybe I wasn't on my A game. Maybe I was a little slow turning out. And, you know, we can also use that fine tuning every run or every tour that we're working in the fire station. Yeah. And I also think they like the humility you have. 
when you say, Hey, look, uh, you know, I did this, that, and the other, I, I should have done a little bit better on this. What do you guys think? And that'll generate that conversation and they'll start, they'll start rolling and they'll start talking a little bit more rather than if you walk in, what could we have done better? What could you have done better? If you start with yourself, right. You know what I mean? You establish that. I mean, unless there was something that happened, you have to immediately handle. I mean, obviously you're going to handle that. Um, but when you start with yourself, you know, I think guys appreciate that. And, you know, you talked about the car ride home. I think there's something to be said about, I guess, that overall picture of you as an officer when you have opportunities to, um, if it's not an immediate action, you can wait a shift or like a cycle. Like, so we work one day on three days off. If it's not something you have to immediately handle right then and there because it's safety or like a legality right. thing or whatever, and you can wait a few days and really think about it. I've had situations play out in my time as an officer where they weren't very time dependent and I could drive home and think about it. And it led me to much, much better decisions rather than when I was a new officer on day work and I just fired off on all cylinders on everything. And I created a ton of problems for myself. And I think that's very important to understand. What do you think about that? Today, today's fire service, right? I, I hate to say the term fire is a few and far between, but compared to when I first started out 32 years ago, fire is a few and far between. And, you know, sure. you could make a mistake in a fire, whether you were a firefighter or, like I said, when I transitioned into an officer, and you could say, hey, you know what? The next 24 I go back in, I'm going to correct that. That's not going to happen again. Well, in today's fire service, and, you know, I, I think everybody's kind of going through this general slowdown, you could say, hey, I'm going to fix this. It could be, it could be several weeks before you get that chance, that ability to, you know, put those skills back into action again or put that leadership style back into action. And it it could take time, you know, and it's something that we all have to realize. Yeah. And, you know, you can kind of, um, I don't want to say mend the cracks, but, you know, if you do something and you kind of screw up on it or whatever, I do think, especially as the officer, whatever it was, whatever happened, you come in that next shift, Hey guys, this happened last shift. Let's talk about it. Let's get it figured out. Let's do some, we, we should train on it, do a couple drills. You know what I mean? And then you just got to be able to knock it out of the park on the next time. And, and I think as those situations come and go, because just like anything else, it's going to ebb and flow. You're going to have some good time. You're going to have a lot of good times. You're going to have a lot of bad times. It's, it's that continuous cycle. Uh-huh. right? And I think it's as, I don't necessarily think it's as much, whether you mess up as how you recover, as long as you're not continuously doing the same thing. And over time, you know, I think you can fill in the, fill in the, fill in the gaps, right. I guess by, um, you know, being humble and, and moving forward with it. Cause they're going to see that, you know? So what do you think about that? Anything, uh, anything come to mind? No, I, I, your true, your true colors come out in the fire service. You know, uh, guys, gals can read right through you, you know, your how you present yourself in the firehouse, how you present yourself out when you're drilling, how you present yourself on the fire ground, you know, the emergency scene, maybe it's a car accident or a, a man and machine run, you know, how you conduct yourself, how you carry yourself, you know, says volumes. Definitely. So does, um, you know, letting the guys go to work. You know, not being a, not a micromanager, but have you ever had it where like you work, you work somewhere and you're doing whatever, you know, handling your call and the officer's just in the way. He's just jumping in, trying to do this, trying to do that. It's like, no, man, like let them do the job. It, let them work. Well, you get that. Fall in where you need to you, and help them out. You do get, you do get that. And I've seen that. And when I've seen that, it's not really the experienced officer because the experienced officer knows his crew and knows his people. It's more the inexperienced guy. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to make his mark. He's trying to uh, validate his place, if that makes any sense. No, it does. And I asked that specifically because I've been that guy. And it's really interesting because as we're talking about it, I'm thinking about it. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, I think I was more worried about proving myself. I was more worried about saying, oh, yeah, we're forcing this door. I know how to force the door. Let me show you where I should have been. Hey, you guys good? What do you need? What's, what's going on here? And what I've realized was the more I tried to prove myself by getting involved, I got sucked into things and I couldn't see the big picture. Well, telling, I couldn't take a step back. Telling somebody you're doing it all wrong or you're not doing this right, all that's sure. going to do is create animosity. You turn around and say, hey, did you, did you think about maybe putting a tool? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was going to be my next move. Oh, okay, good, good. 
you know, sometimes just little subtle hints scores, you know, scores a lot. Yeah. And, you know, when you start coaching, you step back, you coach, you can see the big picture, you can provide encouragement or, hey, man, maybe flip the tool this way. Flip, you know, <laughs> Try this, try that. You know, what I've learned was it looks, it goes away from you being micromanaging to you're trying to add suggestions. Hey, I, tr it's almost like, Hey, I trust you. Maybe try this. And you know, Hey man, I know you're good. Let's try that. And, and I think that goes a long way with people and, and it really resonates with them more than I think they, re than people realize, especially like, you know, I hear not a lot, but people have said, you know, Hey, we're into fireman stuff. The officers should just do off officer stuff. And I think they really appreciate that because most of all, it shows trust. The more hands-off you are, it's not because you're not doing anything. You're not hands-off because you're being lazy. You're hands-off because you know you can trust them to do it, and you're just going to help out. You're, you, add in, um, you add in the fluff as needed. Right. You, you know what I mean? You, you fill in the gaps as needed, and you fall into place. And I think over time, you know, rather than um, telling people what to do, you help them, you coach them, and you guide them, and you give them direction. Um, it creates a very, it fosters a, um, a winning environment and you become a winning team because that's going to build that trust, camaraderie and chemistry. Well, the, the two, the two terms that you just use guidance and direction, I think are key. And that's really what a good officer should do. You know, we've got a fire. We know we got to stretch a line. I don't have to tell you, bleed the nozzle, do this, do that. You should know that that should be a part of your job function. I'm going to let you know things that I see, things that maybe you're not picking up on, you know, and, and that's, that's what a good officer does. Uh, you know, every officer that I've learned through, uh, you know, learned from through my career, you know, we're more or less, you know, guidance and, you know, basic direction. You know, here's what we have to do. This is the job at hand. Let's get it done. And, you know, when they saw something was starting to go a little awry, then, then yeah, maybe they said, hey, why don't you think about doing this? Or why don't we, why don't we look into doing that? And it did make a difference, but we all learned from it. Yeah. And you go from, you know, being one of the guys, or not one of the guys, you go from directing to coaching yeah. or coaching to directing, excuse me. And then it's, you, you just tell them what needs to get done and they get it, they get it done. And, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this for me. Um, you know, we're getting right to that one hour mark and I want to start, I want to close with this. Mm -hmm. It's very rewarding as an officer where you show up on something and you know, it's game on that. This house is ripping. And this is going to be a tough fire and you don't even think twice about the guys that are with you because you know, they know their job and the way they act and the way they carry themselves. They know, you know, your job and it goes freaking immaculate. I, you, there's always things to learn, but it goes absolutely smooth. No stress, no yelling, no screaming. Everyone's where they need to be. And you kill it. I, I've been blessed, like I said, with working with some great firefighters and, and they get it. They understand it. I think the one thing that I always look at with pride is when I see these firefighters transform, maybe they went to the special operations world or maybe they're now officers, but to see them using the lessons that you passed along to them. And I didn't come up with them. What am I doing? I'm passing the I'm passing along the lessons that I learned, uh, you know, from lieutenants, captains, chiefs that I worked with. So seeing the the, tr the tradition and the values of good leadership being passed on and on and on, and it goes back to uh, to, to the days of being with your father. I mean, you you look at what your dad what your dad has taught you in life, and how to talk to people, and how to relate, and using good manners. All that stuff is important, you know. As as an officer, it, it shows your character. It does. And, you know, I actually had a situation recently where I talked to a firefighter I work with and um, it was something as minor as a radio. And he used to wear it over his coat. Now he wears it under it. And he's like, it's something that I learned from you. It's not something he's like, you know, you're not going to revolutionize my career because, you know, I've been in here for 13 mm -hmm. years. He goes, but there's a lot of stuff that I learned from you that that I took away from it and I like it and I use it. And now, to me, that was very rewarding. I mean, I don't think he really understands how important those conversations are to me um, and important they are to, the, to our shift. But, you know, that, that was a very rewarding moment because he's not a <laughs> he's not an easy person to impress. And I think you know exactly where I'm going yeah, with that. Yeah, I get it. So, um, Mark, like I said, we're hitting that one hour mark. I think this is a good place to stop. 
It's been a great conversation. You know, I, I really greatly appreciate your time. Um, is there anything that you wanted to touch on real quick before we go or anyone you wanted to give a shout out to or, you know, anything else? Uh, like I said, I, you know, my biggest thing is if you're going to take anything, you know, out of this business is always stay a student of the game. Uh, every day, learn something, learn from someone. Uh, you know, it could, it could be basic. It could be a life skill. It could be a firematic skill. But try to learn something every day. And if you've got knowledge, Keeping it, keeping it all in your head to say, hey, I'm the most knowledgeable guy in the rig does nothing because there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a time when you're on vacation when that call could come in and what you've taught or what you've portrayed to other people may make a difference and save either a civilian or another brother uh, firefighter's life. So if you got that information, if you got those skills, pass them along. You know, this job goes so quick. It's amazing. I mean, uh, I look at my career, 32 years, it's like a blink of an eye. So it goes quick. And, uh, and we all know it can end any day. So, uh, you know, keep, keep, pressing, uh, keep pressing forward and, pay, and pass the good words along. Mark, those are some wise words. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, if people wanted to reach out to you or uh, find the PL Vulcan training, uh, where can we uh, reach out, get a hold of you, social media, anything P. L. Like Vulcans, that? P.L. Vulcan's on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Instagram, the real Mark G. Uh, I'm Mark Gregory on Facebook. So I'm out there and, uh, you know, questions, concerns, anything, uh, you know, positive, negative, let me know. I always, uh, I always like to get back to you. Thank you. Sounds fantastic and we're going to add the links for that in the episode description below mark don't go anywhere while i close this out you got it thank you everyone thank you for listening to the tip of the spear leadership podcast before we go show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review and giving us a download hit that like and subscribe button as well leave us a review we're going to read them all five stars are our favorite as it helps us grow our show and grows our community then I want you guys to stay tuned. We got more episodes in the coming weeks. Thank you all for your time. Tip of the spear leadership. Be present. Be yourself. Be unstoppable. Thanks, guys. You have a great day.